From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we are a day late, but perfectly timed as From the Land turns 100. Welcome to our 100th weekly episode. As we have 99 times before, we are going to talk about what else winning sports in the land. After that, we head out on the road to talk NFL news, disappointment in Columbus, and World Cup fever. Off the field, we look back and celebrate our first 100 shots. I am joined on this special night by three of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Danko and Chuck Rambaldo, are here. And we are joined by our very special guest, Matt Miller. Fellas. How does it feel to turn 100? It feels good. It feels like we've done, somehow I'm aging at a rapid rate. We've done this in like two years, less than two years even. Uh, but no, it's great. I can't wait for the next 100. I mean, I joined up a little later in the run, so I'm not quite ready to say I'm turning 100, but it's I, I feel pretty good for my age, I guess. Got my depends on ready to shit my way through this entire episode. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that hardly seems necessary, but I'm in a celebratory mood. Oh, so, look at that. Hey, we are going to celebrate tonight. <laughs> Popping bottles. Watch your eye. The bubbly. Yeah. Don't knock your computer out of commission. There oh, we go. No. No, right I know what I'm doing. Stuff already. <laughs> look at that. It's going to be a good one tonight. Let's get rolling. We will stay at home. Start with our sip of wine and gold, our weekly Cavs recap. And the Cavs feeling better than a turkey the day after Thanksgiving. Cavs kept winning last week, taking a good one from the Hawks on Monday night, racking up a solid win against the Lillardless Blazers Wednesday night, grabbing a gutsy shorthanded win over the Pistons on Sunday, and oh yeah, uh, kind of an ugly loss somewhere in there to Giannis and the Bucks. But Cavs finished the week Sunday night at thirteen and seven in third place in the Eastern Conference. Scale of one to five, fellas. One being Vela Delicious Red Boxed Wine, described as not exactly horrible. Five being Painted Lady Riesling from Sarah's Vineyard in Cuyahoga Falls. How would you rate the week? I really, I love that quote. Not exactly horrible. Was that <laughs> not, exactly not, horrible. not exactly horrible. <laughs> really? What the, and that was the, the better of the two? <laughs> yeah. No, that was the no, worst. No, no, that's the worst one. Put it on um, a t-shirt. I'll probably, you know, I'll, I'll probably give it, give it a three. That Monday game was a great way to start the week. That seems like this is building towards a rivalry for like years to come between these two teams. And then they, they you know, like they, they kind of beat teams they needed to beat, but the Bucks games is kind of yuck. So I, I'll put it at a three. It's always a good week. Yeah, I saw about 45 seconds of any of those games, but I think the record is better than I would have hoped it would have been after that five game losing stretch, which I'm not sure was five, maybe even three. Somebody fact check me on that. But um, yeah, it. I mean, they're, they're playing five. right. I think they're going to, they're going to be a win two, lose one, probably the rest of the season, which makes, gets them to the playoffs, which would be growth and progress in my opinion. I'm going to give it a four. I, they went three and one in a week that we all hoped they would go three and one kind of thinking that the game against the bucks was going to be the tough one. And they, they got it done. And I think, you know, what, what's lost a little bit in what we're doing here is we take it a week by week. And that Hawks game was the second game of a back-to-back too, against a team that historically we just can't stop them from scoring. And they did a good job that night. I mean, that was a, that was a guard heavy night on both sides of the ball for the Hawks and the Cavs. And they, they got the win to get the week started off right and then really played well, except for one half of basketball up in Milwaukee. They really played well all week long. 
Yeah, that's why I think I'd put it at more like a four and a half. When we were talking about this last week, we were concerned that they might go one and three over this stretch because there were some tough teams they had to play. And to go three and one and really, like Phil said, only play one bad half of basketball, that's pretty impressive to me. I'd say with all the circumstances of what was happening the the prior weeks and what was going on last week, I think it's a really good week for them to, to win three of those games. What do you think the key was to putting together a winning week like that? Double doubles out of guys like Mobley and Allen again. And then the Garland and Mitchell combination in that week anyway, they were scoring 45 to 55 points combined in every one of those games. So you got all your scoring from the guards, but the other guys were there. They were doing their jobs, right? They're getting those, the, the double doubles, the rebounds, the scoring that got them through the week. It was weird though, because we talked about this in the past. This team has previously been predicated on bench scoring. And now outside of one game, I think Osmond had like a 20 plus point game in that run outside of that, they weren't getting much scoring off the bench, but their starters we're scoring up and down the floor. So I think that the key was getting your bigs doing what we need them to do. And the guards are just going to score. Miller, if you had to guess, what do you think the key was <laughs> in the 40 putting together a winning week? <laughs> give me a D give me an E and give me a fence defense. Lamar Stevens being started in the starting lineup. Um, people that didn't care about scoring, actually locking down their uh, opponent and then outscoring them, but they have the ability to outscore if they don't, if they could actually lock somebody down on defense. So I think that was the big focus and change. And when we lose by like 20, like we did tonight, you know, that's the inability to shut down, shut down people. And it's role players like Lamar Stevens that make a difference in that. Um, also one question, this Sarah person that's making this wine on the scale, uh, is this a sponsor? Like where did the, this sort of a left field? No, I've, it's I've Cuyahoga some... Valley grapes. Cuyahoga Falls. No, I find somebody, I find a, I find a Cleveland winery for every, for every episode. When was the last time you listened to this show? (laughs) I'm listening to it right now. I'm really enjoying it. Last week was Chateau Huff. It's a winery at at Huff and East 66th in Cleveland. They have a vineyard there. Yeah, (laughs) They have a Chateau there. (laughs) They do. Anyway, we've gotten off topic. Miller says it's defense. Chuck, what do you think? Phil kind of hit on the bulk of it there that the guard play, uh, their chemistry is building week by week. It's good to see their half court offense was much better uh, this week as well. Plus, they closed out games when they needed to. Uh, and they kind of struggled with that over the past couple of weeks. And then against Detroit, you have your superstar takeover when you need him the most when he's having a shitty game uh, in the fourth quarter. So it's, it's a mix of things that made it a successful week, but mostly the chemistry between those two guards that's what I like to see because they're playing so many minutes together. All right. Raise your glass. Which Cav gets your toast of the week? Darius Garland had some games where he wasn't scoring as efficiently as you would expect, but he had multiple games last week with double digit assists. Jetty Osman, as Phil said, had 23 against the Hawks and what was a big win coming off that losing streak from the prior week. Raul Neto. At a time where we are worried about the minutes our guards are playing, Neto came off the bench last week and played 18 minutes combined in four games. <laughs> last one, Donovan Mitchell, what else can you say? Uh, scoring last week, he was 29, 34, 29, and 32, and he just makes shots when needed. He, he makes shots when they need to end another team's run or start their own run or late in the game. He just seems to do it. 
night in and night out. So raise your glass. Who's getting your toast this week, Miller? Can I add Lamar Stevens to the mix? Because I really think the junkyard dog makes a big difference, right? He was out against the Bucks. He was out tonight against Toronto. Both games where we we lost by double digit points. Um, and when he's in and he was starting, we were winning. We went on a win streak. So uh, he gets my uh, raise my ass. <laughs> that That's a good choice by Miller to add to the list. But I'm going to give mine to Garland for one of the reasons you mentioned. There were games where he wasn't on fire, lighting it up, scoring. I mean, he would still end up with 20 to 24 points, which is great. But in all those games, he had 10 to 12 plus assists feeding Mitchell, feeding these other guys, feeding Osmond when he came off the bench, that kind of thing. So I like to see in that week that Garland is starting to kind of settle in the role. Like I don't need to score 50. I'm going to go out there. And if we have our full complement of offensive players, I'm going to distribute the ball. I'm going to get my points. I'll get 20 to 24, but I'm going to distribute the ball and get 10 to 12 assists every game too, which I got to think if he does that, that's a good sign for this team. Really hoping Jared Allen didn't get hurt because I thought he was looking at a monster week. He was really efficient, especially against the Blazers. But uh, I guess I'll go <laughs> like low hanging fruit here. Donovan Mitchell, you know, he probably averaged close to 30. I don't think he played all that great against the Bucks, But again, you know, when you needed him in that fourth quarter against, you know, he can take a game over and take some pressure off uh, the rest of the team, especially Garland. You know, he's going to get buckets when you need it. Hard not to give it to Mitchell just because of the way he's played and, you know, how long it's been since we had a guy you could count on to get a bucket every single time you needed it. I mean, it's been since LeBron was here and, and Mitchell can do that for them. And it's really fun to see when he does. So I'll, I'll give it to Mitchell as well. He had another huge week. Let's look ahead to next week. The injury bug is getting bitey. Kevin Love, Lamar Stevens, and Jared Allen were all out tonight for the game against the Raptors. Karis LeVert just got back from a long stretch. They lost pretty handily tonight to the Raptors. Going forward in the week, they'll welcome the 76ers and the Magic on Wednesday and Friday nights and close the week on the road in the Big Apple against the Knicks. As banged up as they are, is this a 500 week for the Cavs? So they got the Sixers, the Magic, the Knicks. Who's the fourth game? Well, they lost tonight. Are we, they lost counting? tonight to the Raptors, yeah. Counting tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, man, I'm glad he came here first because I can say even Steven is is probably going to be a good week. That Sixers team is really good. Uh, and going to New York and playing in Madison Square Garden, probably not really easy, so... I'd be happy. Uh, and I'm interested to see what wine you dig out next week that I could go for the one to five scale. But yeah, even Steven sounds good. I suggest Ferrante. <laughs> I think uh, we get one win this week. That's it. So you think you're looking at a one in three week. They're going to lose to the Raptors yeah. and two other games this week. We know they lost to the Raptors, so I don't have to <laughs> guess on that one. And, <laughs> which which leaves three games left. I could see one of the, I could, I, I feel confident they're going to win at least one of those games, but. If I had to bet money on it, I wouldn't go for two right now until people start getting healthy again. Is Lamar Stevens hurt too? He didn't play tonight, right? Yep. Like you said, Miller, right? He's out too. He so didn't play against Milwaukee right, or Detroit right, right. either. I looked at this week's schedule prior to tonight's game and I thought two and two would be a good week. And, uh, you know, anyway, it falls. I thought, all right, you're, you're probably going to lose to the Raptors and maybe the 76ers, but can you, can you get a win against the Knicks? And who is the other team? in the mix there someone else that wasn't that good orlando yeah this is the kind of week that despite your injuries you somehow grind out two and two because you should beat the magic and you should beat the knicks so get those two wins or if you if you don't then upset philadelphia because they spiked the ball off their own knee but 
I can't see them beating Philadelphia without our full complement of players. I think the Cavs are going undefeated this week. <laughs> I'm not even willing to give up on tonight's game. <laughs> I think it's probably a 500 week. I, I think they should beat the Magic and the Knicks, and we'll see what happens against the 76ers. But let's wrap up our sip of wine and gold and move on to skid marks, the brown and orange road to I did not see that coming city. Our weekly look at the Cleveland Browns in a season that is so improbable, unless you're the Browns, the team did the impossible, beat Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in overtime, 23 to 17. Browns are now four and seven and not in last place. As long as the Steelers lose tonight to the Colts. And guess what? Our friends from Indianapolis just took a one point lead at the end of the third quarter. So most surprising stat of this week's Browns win over the Buccaneers. First one, Bucks were only four for 15 on third downs. Next one, Bucks leading rusher Rachad, R-A-C-H-A-D. I checked it several times. Rachad White only had 64 yards on the ground. Nick Chubb was allowed to carry the ball 26 times or last one, the score. I'm going to go with the ability to hold a running back to the, the, the lead running back to the other team to only 64 yards rushing because the Buccaneers amassed 56 yards of rushing on the first drive of the game. And I thought, Oh, here we go. We're about to give up another two to 300 yards of rushing against a team. That's just going to drive the ball down our throat. And our defense made an adjustment and shut that team down. They gave up 56 yards of rushing on the first possession of Tampa Bay's and 30 yards the rest of the game, maybe 40, uh, 30 or 40. Regardless, we held the team to under 100 yards rushing. <laughs> we need to celebrate that. Joe Woods needs a promotion. Forget firing Stop him. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if we can, if we can need jerk reaction the other way, I'm gonna, I'm gonna balance the scales here a little bit. But I, I think that is the most surprising stat because I, the way that game started, I thought, here we go, we're just gonna get gouged by their rushing attack, and I wouldn't be surprised if even should have been retired Tom Brady breaks off a 20-yard run. The biggest stat in my mind from the past week involving Tom Brady is the number one, and that is the number of athletic trainers that have slept with his soon-to-be ex-wife over the past year, which which gave me hope for Phil. And also, um, you know, sort of thinking about athletic like trainer? If, I'm not an athletic <laughs> trainer. However, <laughs> you know, Dr. if Phil. we're both available. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. It was just hope in general for Phil. Yeah, yeah it, thank you. Thank it you. wasn't job-specific. Uh, but yeah, it just seems like, uh, you know, the guy is literally the goat at quarterback has more Super Bowl rings than fingers. And yet his wife is still sleeping with a guy who makes uh, 1595 an hour. So that was, uh, that was impressive. That was my stat of the week. I think your first one was the third down stuff. Yeah. And and that's an impressive stat where that defense could never get off the field and give up third long so far all season long. So uh, I'm going to go with that. Uh, and a close second is, Anthony Schwartz hitting pay dirt. Like yeah, that what? Guy, that, that guy, there's a sighting. That was pretty great. They had to hand it to him, though. They couldn't right. throw it to him. Exactly. To yeah. he, he did not fumble strategy. that pitch. Yes. He could have fumbled that pitch. <laughs> yeah. he did. Gentle underhand Frank Tersic toss. <laughs> I'm going with the score uh, just because in order to beat the Buccaneers, they were going to have to play a complete game on both sides of the ball. And they did it, man. They managed to stay in it with the defense long enough for the offense to make some plays at the end and win the game. And we have not seen very much of that this year. So I'll just go with the fact that the score was surprising to me and remains surprising. All right, your MVB 
your most valuable Brown, some of the options, or if you want to go straight Miller and just come up with your own, that's <laughs> fine too. Uh, Nick Chubb, 26 carries for 116 yards. Miles Garrett had one and a half sacks, both of them in big times uh, moments near the end of the game. Uh, David Njoku, five receptions for 29 yards, but a one-handed TD catch to send the game to overtime and basically save our playoff hopes. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, 210 yards passing, one TD, and leaving on a high note with the adoration of all Cleveland fans. Who's your MVB? I'm going with Brissett. I'm sticking to the list. I think the guy served admirably. Um, I actually used him for the past two weeks in the worst uh, fantasy football league ever and went 2-0 and with him because Kyler Murray was hurt, or at least I thought he was. <laughs> yeah, I thought he played well. Um, I don't think uh, the, uh, the record um, aligns with his play, uh, at least for most of the season. He had a couple stinkers in there like the New England game, but for the most part, played played solid. We catch a couple more passes and actually stop somebody on occasion. I think we have a much better record. So, I, I and, and to be honest, I think it'll be tough for Deshaun Watson to play as well as Brissett did uh, for his first couple of games coming back. I feel compelled to give it to Brissett too, because of the emotional side of it. Cause he, he Miller's right. Like he did everything and more that we asked him for, but I'm going to give, I'm going to give the MVB whatever to uh, Nick Chubb. Here's the guy that came off probably his worst game as the Browns running back. And thankfully they handed him the ball 26 times. There wasn't any one. I mean, there was a couple of long runs, but there wasn't any one breakaway run, but he, Surpassed a thousand yards for the season. The first running back in Brown's history to do that since Jim Brown for four years in a row. So that that's good company. What I really liked is they just at the end of the overtime, you could tell like, finally, I I'm maybe Stefanski listens to our show. I don't know, but <laughs> finally they, they knew like, okay, we can win the game with a field goal from the two. So we're just going to hand the ball off to Nick Chubb three times and see what happens. They didn't even put a wide receiver on the field. I loved it. Like just run the ball up the middle. And on the set and the first handoff, he, he got submarined and, and dropped for a yard loss. But on the second one, it was Nick Chubb. He just power lifted his way across the goal line and said, I don't want Cade York to yank another one to the left. We're going to win this game. So I think this week, thank you, Jacoby Brissett. But Nick Chubb, you're the man. I think we're all on the same page by thanking Jacoby Brissett, especially after the circus of last season with Baker and then the even bigger circus in the offseason. Like the guy handled it unbelievably well. I, I want to give it to Najoku because I don't care what the stat line is. That's the sickest catch I've seen yeah. in years for yeah. a Browns player. Oh, with yeah. a game on the line, you know, like left-handed, I, I assume he jerks off right-handed. So it was a, it was a stranger grab, but uh, <laughs> I really want to give it to MJ Emerson. That dude shut yeah, down Mike true. Evans yep. and took away yep. one of the biggest weapons on the field with a secondary cornerbacks, especially that are banged up. That guy had a career day. So uh, he's my MVB this week. Yeah. I like Emerson a lot too. And, and probably should have had him on this list because he did play really well. Uh, I'm going with Brissett. I think as kind of a lifetime achievement award for what he did from game one all the way through this game. Just really played good, solid football all season long and probably is a reason that people should look at Stefanski as a guy who can win with whoever you put at quarterback. I mean, he made Baker Mayfield into a playoff caliber quarterback, and we see what's going on with him this year. And he just took a guy that nobody thought was going to be any good 
and, and made him into a winning quarterback this season. If we have better defense, we have a better record. It's because of Jacoby Brissett. So lifetime achievement award, Jacoby Brissett. Good luck in retirement. Uh, next <laughs> week, a new era begins in Cleveland when Deshaun Watson takes over at quarterback. The Browns currently have a 2% chance to make the playoffs. So yes, I'm saying there's a chance. But if the Browns are able to beat the Texans with Deshaun Watson at quarterback next week, those playoff odds go up to 3%. So big must-win game. Are the Browns winning with a brand-new quarterback who hasn't played football in like two and a half years under center? There's no reason they should win. Even though as bad as that Texans team is, their defense is actually pretty good. So weeks ago, when you asked what Jacoby Brissett can do to win, I'm going to say the same thing for Deshaun Watson in his first game back turn and hand the ball off uh, and then ultimately just make some short passes and get into your rhythm. But yeah, there's no reason they shouldn't beat this team. Uh, it doesn't matter who's under center. We're supposed to beat this team, right? Which yeah. really worries me. <laughs> yeah. These are the games we always lose. Like this is the Jets game two years in a row or whatever it is. Yeah, this one worries me more. I almost prefer it when we're the underdogs. We tend to play better and sometimes we win them. So I'm, I'm actually kind of nervous that this one is going to be a, uh, a stinker and it's going to be in Houston and he's going to get booed mercilessly yeah. for a number of reasons. Um, it's going to be a big national story. And if he stinks up the place, we're going to be hearing about it constantly. So this one, this one worries me a little bit. I think this next game will tell us a lot about what you just mentioned, Gerbs, about Kevin Stefanski. I think this next game, if Kevin Stefanski is the young up and coming intelligent head coach that we hope he is he takes this decision out of deshaun watson's hands deshaun watson go out there you're going to shake off some rust great you're, you're going to run the offense but run that offense through nick chubb run that offense through kareem hunt and if there's another game in back-to-back -back weeks because the browns defense surprised the hell out of me against the buccaneers if they can get right it's probably the Texans offense that, all right, let's, let's build some more confidence and make some plays on the defensive side of the ball. I don't want to see them keep this close because as Miller pointed out, all of a sudden we can lose this game by two points. We've done that against some shitty teams already, but at the same time, don't, don't go into this game thinking that Deshaun Watson is going to throw you to victory. Work into your strengths, man, run the ball, run the ball and play two games of good defense in a row. They are supposed to win this game. I think they should win this game. I think they will win this game. And oddly, it's because I think that if you look at Stefanski's body of work, he has actually done really, really well with this offense for the years that he's been the coach. The problem is the defense, and the defense should be able to handle the Texans. So I think the Browns are winning. But with that, fellas, we're going to take our break, head out on the road when we come back, talk some NFL, some sad college football, and some World Cup. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road, start with the NFL and week 12. And let's begin the discussion with the Buffalo Bills. In the last four weeks, they've lost to the Jets and the Vikings. Then they won a closer-than-it-should-have-been game against the Browns. And this past week had to come back late to beat the four and seven tears in heaven Detroit Lions. <laughs> Are the Bills okay? I don't know. Maybe they peaked a little too soon. Um, and I'm not saying they can't right the ship or continue to win, but that's that's a tough division to be in right now, man. And and uh, you're seeing 
kinks in that armor for Josh Allen throwing picks, but he also might be hurt and you don't know with his arm. I still think they're a really complete team minus the rushing game, except that they were playing the Browns, but I don't know what the real question was because I'm just spouting off at this point, drinking Natty Light. What was the actual question? I'm sorry. Are the Bills okay? Yeah, they're okay. <laughs> yeah, they'll be fine. Ever have to spend a week in Detroit before? <laughs> like... <laughs> A whole week now. Say what you will about <laughs> Cleveland, but we're not Detroit. Uh, that's a rough. That's some tough sledding for, you know, the, and they're human beings. Their families are snowed in with 75 feet of snow. They got in a 45-minute period or something like that. Ridiculous. Well, we got nothing, by the way, which was completely awesome. My guess is that was just a road trip to Detroit that, you know, lasted nine days, and that will take its toll on you. Yeah, that's an interesting take on this. I, I didn't consider that, but they basically went 2-0 and in Detroit. So, hey, you know, maybe they're okay. Maybe the Bills are okay. They they lost to the Vikings. That's a good team. They've had one bad game, right? They lost, to, was it the Jets was the other loss? Yeah. The Jets are secretly awesome. <laughs> this team is really good, apparently. So you, you get through that, and, and it's weird to say because we don't talk about this in the NFL much because it's such a short season, even with 17 games. Most championship teams have to suffer some sort of trouble in the middle of the season. It's easier to kind of suffer that if you're in Major League Baseball or in the NBA because it's such a long season. But, you know, the, the Bills came out of this 2-2. Two and two. They won both games at Ford Field. I think they're okay. They'll be okay. It seems like they're struggling, and I think the Dolphins are playing really well. And it to a fan, be... to a fan, here he is. I know is. my Believer. favorite guy, my favorite guy, <laughs> to a Tungliavoa is tearing up the league. I don't know what else to say about it, man. Like I guess the Bills are okay in the end because they're going to be good enough to get into the playoffs. But I suddenly wonder whether they're going to be good enough to win that division. We'll see what happens. What was the most impressive win of this past weekend? Bengals beat the Titans 20 to 16 without Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon. Another option, Vikings came from behind to beat the Patriots Thursday night and are nine and two with a five game lead in their division. What's more impressive? Well, the lead in the division is pretty impressive because that doesn't happen in the NFL like that. But you, you had mentioned the Bengals won without two of their stars and that was in Tennessee, I think, right? That was a road game. That was pretty impressive because I think the Bengals are fake. I still do. I'm not convinced. I, I saw the Browns destroy them. They've got to be fake. <laughs> like, it wasn't even close. The Bengals so are lucky the Browns suck, right? Because if we yeah, faced them in the playoffs, they wouldn't have a chance. They wouldn't have a chance. <laughs> they, they, so that's pretty impressive to me to go down there with without two of your top offensive weapons on the road against a team that pretty much lines up and says, hey, we're going to give the ball to Travis Henry every down. I dare you to stop us. And that was kind of how that game was going, and the Bengals still came out on top. Really? What was it? Oh, was it? It's the Vikings. It's the Vikings. Vikings are nine and whatever. They've got a five-game lead. I mean, they still have Kirk Cousins playing quarterback, correct? Yes. Somebody fact-checked me, but I think it's the same guy, the milk toast quarterback that nobody likes but always wins. Um, yeah, I, uh, it's the Vikings for me. It's the Vikings for me, too. Uh, that Patriots team is not a Super Bowl-type Patriots team, but that, they're still a tough beat. And to be able to come back late in that game and win it and beat the Patriots, I was pretty impressed with. All right, worst loss of the week. Who was the biggest loser? Seahawks lost in overtime to the Raiders, who can't beat anyone. Baltimore Ravens lost to the Jaguars when their unstoppable kicker couldn't finish it at the end of that game. The Kansas City Chiefs won, but they only beat the Rams by 16, and the Rams are really terrible, so I'm throwing them into this one. Who's this week's biggest loser? Uh, Ravens. 
because I love it when they lose. So we'll, we'll go there. You hate to see it. It's the it's the Ravens, man. Like loss of the Jags and Trevor Lawrence somehow put it together, but you hate to see the most consistent kicker possibly in NFL history miss one late and leave the door open for that 3% playoff run the Browns are on right now. If they win this week, I'm going to go with the the Ravens as well, because I didn't catch the end of that game here in our local market. They didn't switch to that, but that was a situation where Jacksonville scored at the end and then decided to go for two to win it and not lose it. Was that, is that what happened there? No one knows. It sounds good. Regardless, regardless, you, you don't, you can't lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars if you're supposed to be winning a division in the NFL. And all that told me was the Ravens, they're not so good. They're not so good. And I, I think uh, perhaps the Browns will beat them in a couple weeks. At least one Harbaugh loss this weekend. Yeah. yeah oh, we're going to get to it, Miller. Don't jump the gun. <laughs> yeah, it's obviously the Ravens, even if you want to give it to the Chiefs because they really should have wailed on the Rams worse than they did. But just like Phil said, you can't be a division winner and lose a game in the second half of the season to the Jaguars. You just can't do it, which is why I refuse to consider the Ravens the division winner anymore. Uh, I think they suck. I think the whole division sucks. That was definitely the biggest loss of the week. But let's go ahead and look ahead to next week for the AFC North. Bengals, 7-4, and four, follow up that tough win over the Titans with a game against the Chiefs. Who's winning that one? I think Mixon's still out. Chiefs, why not? Yeah, Chiefs win that one. I, I think even if the Bengals get their full complement of players back, they're not at 100%. And the, the Chiefs, they're so good, and they're just kind of that team that keeps the game close if they have to and then wins it at the end. Could this be one of those weird matchup things, though? Because didn't the Bengals beat the Chiefs in the playoffs last year? No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, this might be one of those things where the, the Bengals win a game that they shouldn't just like they lose games to like the Browns when they, they shouldn't. I wonder if this is a matchup thing. I I know they had Jamar Chase and that was a big reason why they won against the Chiefs last time, but this might be closer than, than we think. I don't think it will be. I think the Chiefs are going to roll the Bengals because the Bengals are in the AFC North and the AFC North sucks. <laughs> Ravens seven and four play the Broncos next week which I would have thought was an easy one to call, but uh, hey, anything's no. possible. Who's winning that one? Oh, God. I actually think the Ravens win this one. The Broncos seem to be getting worse and worse every week. They don't know what they're doing. They're they're terrible. The Ravens, as bad as they're playing, they win this game. Ravens. Harbaugh's a really good coach. They're not going to screw up two games in a row. Ravens. I'm going Broncos. Steelers. <laughs> Have managed to come back in this game against Indianapolis. There's about two minutes left. They're up 24-17. They make it through this. Next week, they get the Falcons on Sunday. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> Who's winning that game? It's going to be the same thing we're watching right now. You know, it could go either way. It's going to be two mediocre teams playing in a dome. Um, I think Pittsburgh probably wins that. Is that game in Atlanta? Is that what you said? We, these, are, these are important facts Yeah, because <laughs> Marcus Mariota is going to lead them to victory if it's in Atlanta. That's my my disclaimer. <laughs> I think the Falcons, I don't care where it's at. Steelers, I just hate them and they suck. So <laughs> all true. I think it's, yeah, I guess the Falcons seems like, a, I don't know. I don't even want to pick that one. That's a lousy game. All right. We, we've worn out the week in the NFL. Let's move on to something more fun and more exciting. Let's talk college football. Last weekend was the game, Ohio State versus Michigan. Ohio State Buckeyes get thumped at home by the Wolverines. Second year in a row, Ohio State has been run off the field by the team from up north. 
And I don't necessarily want to go through and discuss everything that happened in the game because it was pretty terrible uh, for a lot of it. But from a bigger picture perspective, uh, does this loss in this way mean that Ohio State should no longer be considered one of the truly elite college football teams? Or is this evidence that Michigan is making that leap into the elite group? And, and that group is, I think, made up of. Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and maybe Ohio State, right? It's going to be weird to say. I, I think the two teams are interchangeable in that group. Michigan over the last two years has proved they deserved that elite spot, but so is Ohio State. Uh, and anything goes in a rivalry game. I don't care where you're playing it, but possibly, Ohio, I don't think Ohio State, they're built to beat anybody, but they're really built to beat those SEC teams. Uh, and they just got handed to them, even though, like I said, that's like, this feels like a Browns game. And what I meant by that is they're dominating the first half, but not pulling away and they're going to lose. And that's exactly how it felt. I didn't expect them to get their ass handed to them the way they did. I just think the two teams are almost interchangeable. They're like one A and one B. Uh, and I think it's that way moving forward, to be honest, for the next couple of years. The perception of who wins the Ohio State-Michigan game flavors the perception of the entire season. So I think uh, when Urban Meyer was was beating Jim Harbaugh, the teams were probably pretty evenly matched and both had decent records and probably could both be considered elite if they didn't have to play each other. But Ohio State rose to the top because they beat Michigan consistently. And I think that's what switched because Ohio State has one loss. They're probably going to finish the season with one loss and they're probably still going to make the playoffs more likely than not. But the win by Michigan will flavor that entire season regardless of what happens. So um, I, I think it's it's just that ability to win that game flavors whether you're considered elite or not, regardless what the other 12 games ended up being. I think Ohio State is still of the two, the elite program, but that could, that could swing pretty quickly. And we saw that swing in the Cooper years at Ohio state, where all of a sudden some really high end talent from the state of Ohio was taking the trip up North to, to start and win, win a lot of big games for the Wolverines of the two. I think Ohio state's still the program right now today, just based on recruiting and what they've built and put in place. But that, that can swing pretty quickly, especially when you lose two games like that. I mean, it wasn't even, it wasn't even in doubt, you know, in the last two years in the second half, it, it, it was dominated by the Wolverines. So I could see where to Chuck's point where they are inter interchangeable and to Miller's point to where you kind of, you, you feel like the whole season hinges on what happened in that game. And, and that's true for this season, but for the program, I still think Ohio state is elite. I think Michigan can take Ohio state's place, but they're going to have to do it on the recruiting end and the winning end for a couple more years in a row. I think it's really hard to look at this and not at least have some concern that Ohio state may have slipped a little bit, which is not impossible. You know, they, they were an elite college football team for 15 to 20 years in a row. And it just doesn't necessarily seem like we have to consider them that after the last two years, because yeah, they're built to beat anybody, but what they've done is beat a bunch of shitty teams until uh, they get to the Michigan game and then lose the Michigan game badly. One of the things that frustrates me some about college football is you don't always know if these teams are any good until the end of the season because they've wailed on crappy teams for three months and they finally face somebody good. And you get like one shot to know if they're any good or not. It bothers me that Ohio State lost these games the way that they did. If this one had been closer and they'd still lost, I wouldn't be, I don't think I'd feel this way. But I mean, it just seems like, 
something's off and maybe this team isn't as good as it was five years ago. Uh, and maybe if it's not, it's not part of that elite, elite upper echelon group of teams anymore. We'll see if they get into the playoff and obviously if they make a run, then that whole thing changes. But I think for right now, man, I, I, I guess I'm concerned about it because of the way it's gone the last couple of times against Michigan. And I don't think it's unfair to base our view of the season on what happens in that game, because it's the first real big time game they played this year. But does your, does your opinion change though? Does this game mean less when the playoff expands because they can afford to go undefeated and lose to Michigan and still get still in if get it's in. eight teams. Sure. But I still think what's going to happen is you're a- adding teams that are not quite elite. And it's not by much. I mean, it's a small margin, but I think there's those three or four teams that we always see in the top four every single year. Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, over and over and over and over again. Does Ohio State belong in the class with those guys? Maybe Does Clemson belong in that class anymore? Maybe not. If you expand to eight teams, yeah, they're still getting in even if they lose to Michigan. Um, and Michigan's getting in if they lose to Ohio State. Doesn't change how important this game is. I don't think it changes my view of whether in that they're in that really rarefied air of those top four teams that are always seem to be there. I think Ohio State's still a program that it wins the recruiting part of the college football season. It's up there with your Alabamas, you know, your Georgias, that kind of thing. So what's what's weird about this is whoever the guys are that sit around the boardroom table in Columbus, Ohio, and decide who should be the coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Are they going to tolerate Coach Day's two losses the way he lost to Michigan and make a change? Because what the Buckeyes have shown, be it against Michigan or whatever, is you get a Trestle, and Trestle's nowhere near the same coach as an Urban Meyer or, or a Ryan Day. They're different kinds of coaches. But you get a coach in there that can go out there and routinely win the Big Ten, and you you hit your wagon to him for the better part of a decade. Well, here's Day right now that – not only are you losing this game, but you're getting destroyed in this game. And I don't know, I don't know how much does Ryan Day have to do with the recruiting as opposed to in college. It's a lot of the other position coaches and those kind of things that that's that recruiting machine that continues to happen. And clearly this Buckeyes team is recruiting offensive skill player talent and no longer recruiting solid defensive talent, or at least they're not coming to fruition. So, you know, do they make a change at coach? And then all of a sudden you've got that little weird, like, all right, is it a year or two where we step back? Or like last time when Urban Meyer stepped in after the one year of what's his name, Fickle, being in the suspended year, Urban Meyer immediately turned that team into a national championship team in one year. Okay. You know, so do they they hang this on the coach because the recruiting is constantly top four, constantly. But who who do you you know anything about Urban Meyer? He can recruit 20 year olds pretty well. Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, whatever works. (laughs) <laughs> we who are we to judge if, if, our quarterback yeah. for the Cleveland Browns is Deshaun Watson <laughs> recruiting is recruiting my friend but if if your season's judged as it should be on beating Michigan yeah and he has not uh who do you replace him with right now especially what happened today Fickle is Wisconsin's coach right now I thought and it'd be Fickle and he he went to Wisconsin yeah like real coaches are moving here so who who is do you bring Urban Meyer back there oh god 
I'm, no, they're not. I, sure, I, I, don't I don't think they're. Cleveland. I don't live in Cleveland or Columbus, but I assume that's what people were talking about today on sports. All talk nonstop. I'm sure they, they were chanting yeah, it during the it. game. Yeah. You could hear it during the game. Yeah. They were chanting it on TV. Like, oh, they're, they're not. They're not moving on from day yet. But I think that for all of the reasons outside of coach, for all the reasons why we think Ohio State is awesome, those are the reasons why Day is going to get questioned if he can't yeah. start winning this game again so because they're going to they're going to say you've got every advantage that exists and you're not winning this game so the challenge that the corner he's painted himself into is next year it's in ann arbor and it will be a quarterback that has never played against michigan before and that's that's the game he's going to have to win to save his job you know yeah all right well (laughs) sometimes it's good not to be the head coach of a major college football team (laughs) He's still getting paid. Let's, <laughs> let's move on to the other football. The World Cup continues. Group play is coming to an end. And I personally think it's been fantastic. One of the highlights during Argentina's upset loss to Saudi Arabia, the announcer said one of the players used his less favorite foot on a shot. Have you ever thought about which of your feet is your favorite? <laughs> would be my right, I assume. About it, yeah. I I thought about it for the first time in 45 years right now. It's my right foot. <laughs> I, I don't know that I've picked a favorite yet, you know. You're but as you mentioned that, I did recall that it recently some teams were, were were finally recruiting players with two feet. So I feel like that's a move in the right direction. When I used to play barefoot uh kicker in the backyard, I would oh, actually nice. do my right foot. Good call, back. Uh, mostly because if it <laughs> yeah. fell off, it wasn't my favorite foot. <laughs> So wait, what? <laughs> so your left foot is your favorite foot, but you kick with your right to protect your left. Okay. Yeah, there you go. I guess that makes sense. All right. Team USA during its first week of group play tied Wales and then tied England in their second game, proving that Denko is somehow secretly a soccer <laughs> genius. Soccer. Team USA is in group B. England currently has four points in the group. Iran three. The U.S. to the overrated Welsh have just won. So Team USA's only path is a win over Iran tomorrow afternoon. So scale of one to five, one being the Ayatollah Khomeini, five being Ronald Reagan riding on a white horse with a bald <laughs> eagle on his shoulder and the American flag in one hand. What are the chances of Team USA winning on Tuesday? <laughs> oh, man. Since I'm the soccer genius here, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean this toward a uh, get one for the Gipper. I, I'll give it a four. I'll give it a four on that scale. What scares me though, it's fucking soccer. Like they're gonna play so many minutes of just controlling the ball in the middle of the field. I hope I hope the U.S. goes out there and tries to put some pressure on Iran right away. Like just pressure, just pressure, and if it. If it means you give up a stupid goal early on, then 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 come back and 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 tie it up. But you can't play you can't play scared, boys. You can't you cannot play scared. <laughs> Go out there and win this for the Gipper. So they why do they let ties happen? In oh, it's the worst event? sport ever, especially like, when you're in the tournament. Like regular season, I get, but come on, <laughs> ties. It was good. I was about to say let's go two and zero against Iran, but we've never <laughs> officially fought Iran, so yeah. I'm hoping for one and oh, as opposed to nil nil or love love or whatever they call it in soccer when no one gives a shit, no one scores after running around the field for four hours. It's like gerbils on crack and shorts. It sure is. 
<laughs> Missed marketing opportunity there for the for FIFA. But glad to hear we're getting a team in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another one. The third level minor league of MLS. So it's it's a five, man. Like yeah. they have to win. They should have beat both teams they played. Uh they're really young. This team is built to win the next World Cup or compete deeper into it but man like phil said uh the only thing that comes to mind after he fired me up patriotically is uh these colors don't run unless it's on the attack and they're going to score three goals tomorrow to win let's do it i love it go usa i will absolutely be watching it it's a five for me i think they're winning this game for sure uh and they're going to get advanced out of the group that's really exciting but fellas we are going to close this segment with that take our final break we're going to head off the field and talk about ourselves Fellas, welcome to our final segment. We'll head off the field and we will celebrate our show. From the Land turns 100 tonight as we record our 100th episode. So our own stat line. We dropped our first episode exactly two years ago tonight on wow. November 28th, 2020. Wow. Wow. Since then, we have done weekly shows almost every week. Our shortest regular episode was episode 10. We did a tight 41 minutes and eight seconds previewing Super Bowl 55. In the 90 subsequent episodes, we've only had two in the 40s. I blame Denko. We've covered two dunk contests, episode 15 and a bonus episode earlier this year. We've covered about one third of a good football season for the Cleveland Browns. And we've gotten to see the rise of the young Cavs and the Guardians. We have talked for untold minutes about movies, music, TV, tech, community news and chuggy there are hours of available outtakes and hours more that will never be available for extremely good reasons <laughs> during our current run we have lost two episodes one because i forgot to hit the record button and one because denko burke and i could not hit the stop drinking beer button before we started recording the show so the first 99 have been way too much fun to cram into one off the field segment but we're going to give it a shot let's celebrate turning 100 let's start with a little show trivia do you remember which episode and i'll even give you which weekend was our first with 40s oh man why would we have chosen 40s to celebrate our first episode? I'm going to say it was episode 40. Yeah, I think it, if I remember correctly, I dreaded it. But then I came to enjoy malt liquor. Yeah. I think it was episode 40. That would have been my guess. So since everyone else is guessing that, I'm going to say when Burke lost 40 pounds. Oh, oh my. The special Dang. guest from downtown. Wow. wow. Miller. Nice. Memorial Day, May 31st, 2021, episode 27. We drank 40s to celebrate Tommy Burke losing 40 pounds. We're such uh, good in his people. weight loss journey. <laughs> 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 All right. So let's look back. What was my worst off the field topic? Episode six, we discussed my love for slip on shoes and whether that means I'm getting old. <laughs> episode 18. During the pandemic, we discussed one of the first live in-person concerts that was taking place in Barcelona, headlined by Love of Lesbian. Episode 69, we discussed Nicolas Cage, and I did my impressions of his best lines from Con Air. 
episode 76 we discussed the great lakes regional cat show in erie <laughs> episode 85 we talked about the future and about watching football games from under the field so which of those was the worst off the field topic i selected could you do the nicholas cage lines again for me <laughs> i was thinking that's the one but i i don't recall <laughs> I don't. the the cadence no uh, no, I didn't. I need to practice for that, man. I, don't, I didn't have it in me today. <laughs> Let's be honest. That could also be your best of list. So it's it could go either way. Um, I'm a big fan of Nicholas. I just watched uh, the Nicholas Cage movie, The Bearable Weight of Massive yeah, Talent. Man. So I'm going to go with that. You have to review that. It's a Nick Cage movie. Uh, you said slip on shoes. I'm envisioning like Skechers memory foam with Velcro. Absolutely. So, yeah, yep. that's. Yeah, as a shoe guy, that's that's the shit. So I'm out. <laughs> this is your list of the worst of the worst of. You got a really good fucking podcast here right now because these are awesome. These are hilarious topics. You've done an awesome job over a hundred episodes. So if I had to pick what was your worst third segment, I, I I don't know. That's hard for me, man. I love Nick Cage, love of lesbian. I've been forced to listen to many of their tracks. They're dog shit, but okay like it's live music that was important at the time um, watch him with the sound off yeah the worst i don't know i guess the slip on shoes is kind of like just a week a week like time filler because we're supposedly getting old but i don't know it's important i own some <laughs> this is why we never have 40 minute episodes anymore you just talked for five minutes i have no idea what your answer was <laughs> I, I said the worst was the slip on shoes i just answered it oh, at the end okay Aren't all, right. all shoes slipped on problem, shoes? If let's you don't be honest. Wear socks. The problem is, I talk too long. Gerber loses focus. I give an answer, but he's off to like <laughs> soccer fever. I don't know. I'm sorry. I uh, I apologize. And we, you know, we could be on episode 200 if I would just shut up. Could have been there by now. Yeah. All right. Another bit of show trivia. What was the first album we reviewed as an all ears segment? Bonus if you can guess the episode number, but that's just ridiculous. Dang. Uh, I have no idea. The first one, that's nah, not the weekend. That was a while ago. I don't know. Okay. Chuck quits. Miller? Yeah, quit. I'm out. Paul Cawthon. Okay. Danko? Uh, I'm going to go with the weekend. I feel like that was the first formal album we inter we reviewed. Danko is 100% right. Chuck, you should have gone with your gut. Episode 57 was Dawn FM by the weekend. Very that's first been out that long? Wow. Well, shit. Episode 57 was not that long ago. It was the beginning of this year. Hmm. We hmm. talked a lot of music, but that was the first. Yeah, yeah. that's like, the first time, the first we, time we reviewed, reviewed an album. entire album. Yeah, yep. yeah. Other things that are turning 100 this year, just like our show. Which of these are you most excited about? State Farm Insurance turns 100 years old this year. Proof that your business can last a century, even with terrible marketing. Uh, Supercuts turns 100 this year. Proof that you can spend $15 to look like you got a $10 haircut, just like me. <laughs> Slalom skiing uh, turns 100 this year. Apparently, 101 years ago, people just skied straight. Big bump in popularity when someone figured out you could turn. Uh, last one, the Straw Hat Riot. In New York City in 1922, protesters wore straw hats after the socially acceptable September 15th end date. The anti-straw hatters walked the streets of New York carrying boards with nails. There were fights and beatings. The straw hat riot of 1922, proof that this country was a mess long before social media. Which of those other things turning 100 are you most excited about? Come 
Slalom skiing. That's a skiing reference. <laughs> I think he just said Alberto Tamba. He did. But he, he leaned away from the mic, so I don't think he picked him up. All right. Can you make out that I'm even saying Alberto Tamba? That was a callback to the commercial, by the way. So that you wrote that line. Very proud of that. Well done, Gerber. Yeah. What am I most excited turning a hundred uh, of, of that list? I don't know. I'm not a talker. I got nothing. Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'll go with Supercuts. I have a hard time believing that Supercuts has been around longer than the Floby. You're saying that thing's been around for a hundred years? Supercuts has been around for a hundred years. That's, yeah. that's always under the name Supercuts. Well, I didn't look that far into it, man. It was just a list on the internet of things turning a hundred this year. That's I thought it would be funny. Supercuts. It is. It's very funny. Supercuts. It is. Yeah. Them versus great clips, man. It's the Yankees Red Sox right there. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I think they're both owned by the same company. We've talked about a lot of different stuff, be it sports or entertainment or pop culture or non-sports or history or, or all of these different things we've covered. Is there something that we've missed or something that you'd like us or you think we should talk about going forward from episode 101 till whenever? We have covered a lot and there are, there are amongst that list are some of my favorites and that's not your question. So I think if there's something we haven't covered a bunch that was part of the original premise and part of the original tagline, it's us as dads. And I don't know, like it, it could be kind of a fluff peach piece, but like us as dads, like what it means to be a, a dad during the Ohio State Michigan game when you've got two kids running around or whatever it might be. Like yeah. that was part of the original thing. And I don't know how you work that in necessarily, but I would bet it would lead to some pretty funny commentary and some pretty emotional takes as well. It's a really good one, man. I, I, I'd echo Phil, unless you want to talk about politics and religion exhaustively. <laughs> no. And I no. think this is the right forum for, no. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do it exhaustively. Or don't do it at all. Exactly. There's only yes. one way to do yeah. it. Right? Yeah. Followed by conspiracy theory. Uh, I, I, I'm with Phil here, man, just because I think I can learn a lot from uh, either the host, the co-host, or the, the rotating guests here, man, because I'm a little farther behind you guys uh, when it comes to the fatherhood. So uh, uh, that's a really good one, Phil. Well, the first 100 episodes, you, including today, you have working vast deference, and that's going to be changing in about a couple of days. So we're really curious it, about Miller. the progress you'll be making <laughs> in terms of uh, the vasectomy. I mean, po a post-vasectomy Gerber is a, I think, should be a featured story. You're on the road, you're off the road, you're on the wife, you're off the wife. I think that should be the next four <laughs> segments. Is this breaking news? <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. That's more trivia. <laughs> yeah. The 200th episode, Twin did Miller do a spoiler alert that Gerbs comes going to be a little bit watery for the next couple of years. Jesus. Oh, you promised me it was going to say the same. <laughs> Does it matter? <laughs> All right. Moving on and, and kind of ah, touching a little bit on what like Denko was just talking about. What episode number did we make the leap from unprofessional and unprepared, our original name, to From the Land? 69. Yeah. Shocking that this you came with. Uh, I was after our first year. I don't think we did a hundred. I don't think we did 52. So I'm going to say 50. So this is like a price is right situation. Can I $1. say? $1. Yes. <laughs> $1. <laughs> $1. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to say actually 44. I'm going to go with episode 44. So I guess Phil wins. It was episode 57. Oh, really? It was the first episode of this year 
is where we went oh, we made the okay. change because we started in late in november like you said and then we did a whole year after that yep. right 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 yep yep to be fair it was only 12 off right yeah hey yeah. you did great you did great but you went over <laughs> so you couldn't win congrats that's right <laughs> I don't get the showcase. All right. So a hundred episodes is a pretty big mark for television shows. So why don't we take a look at some of the shows that have hit the hundred episode mark? I'd like you to tell me which one of these you think had the best 100th episode. Beverly Hills 90210. In episode 100, Donna tries to make up with David whose increased drug use turns her away. David steals $150 from his father to buy more amphetamines. When his drug dealer is arrested, David finds himself in possession of a huge stash of narcotics and calls on Dylan, who else, for help. Next one, Cosby Show, episode 100. Cliff follows up on his lost weekend uh -oh. <laughs> with a day of emergency fasting for his annual blood test and physical. Despite his yeoman performance on the treadmill the results indicate that his overindulgence must cease not holding up well no next one <laughs> three's company episode 100 after yet another date fails because of his lying jack vows to always tell the truth from that point on but his new policy of total honesty leads to trouble for another date roommates and neighbors alike last one love boat episode 100 a self-pitying blind woman is romanced by a gentle farmer. A man traveling with his new girlfriend is convinced that his estranged wife has planted bugs in his cabin. Gopher's attempts to prohibit a woman from sunbathing nude are blocked by a lawyer who feels her rights are being denied. Which 100th episode do you think was the best? Man, I kind of want to go back and watch Love Boat now. Like, yeah. I feel like yeah, you I sold like, that pretty well, man. Yeah, I feel like they're jamming all of reality television into every episode of the Love Boat, even though it wasn't reality. Um, my favorite 100 episode of the, of those options—that's tough. I think um, what was what was the third one? Not Co Cosby's is Three's Company. Oh yeah, I'll go with Jack Tripper. I, I think uh, I think that one is is the. The lesson learned there is when you're roommates with two single women and you vow to stop lying, you're just screwed. You're screwed. Screwed. Because the whole plot of the show is he's lying that he's gay in the first place, right? Yeah, right. So he can yeah. live yeah. with two yeah. single yeah. women. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly right. right. Which seems like a bullshit rule. What is this, Russia? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So when did they when did they switch the Mr. Um, the Don Knotts switch? With, was Mr. that Furley? within the Mr. first Furley 100 or Mr. after Roper? Mr. Furley, yeah. 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 The Furley switch happened after the first 100? I don't know, but that's not a bad topic for off the field in future episodes. Nice. Go back and address three's company in greater detail. We'll get detail. another 100 out of this. <laughs> Miller, how about you? Which of these 100th episodes is your favorite? The only one of those I actually saw was the Cosby Show one. However, based on your description of it, the Love Show wins hands down. The fact that you remembered or at least Googled Gopher brought back a <laughs> flood of memories and, and that... Uh, that that was worth worth going through but going back to the cosby show and and i'm going to keep no, it relatively no. clean do you do you remember when his secret barbecue sauce was pasta sauce yeah, yeah. like my am i, am I no. or was it the other way around no his no no secret pasta, pasta sauce, sauce was barbecue, was barbecue sauce. sauce i think that's right yeah yeah that's right. his secret pasta sauce was store-bought barbecue sauce yeah all right i don't know where that fell in the canon of the shows but that's my I, fondest I don't remember memory that. I, he, I he gave birth remember... to a sub sandwich at some point too. Like, uh, what what are we watching? Here? <laughs> Chuck, do you want a chance to answer? Yeah. 
I've been waiting for this one. Go for it, man. It's, it's 90210 because I spent most, I think, when it was on Monday nights. I was spending that time trying to dry hump somebody from NDCL watching it with them. <laughs> so I'm going that way. Oh my God. Were you, were, you, were you in Gerber's basement? <laughs> I love Possible. that show. Yeah. You should have come over. I know. <laughs> All right. 90210 is the only acceptable answer. All right. Last bit of show trivia. Episode 65 was the last time we did an opening question. Anybody remember the topic? I do not. No. Phil? Yeah, wait, wait, just the, the Indeed stuff doesn't count as an opening question, correct? No, no, that was, we moved from opening questions was to Indeed. to the Indeed. Yeah. Yep. I know. I mean, I guess it was something you asked Burke that in ge involved geopolitical strife. Good really guess. close, but That's not. Good guess. But no. I can't believe it's been 35 episodes since you did an opening question, and I have no idea what, what you asked. Was it about like the uh, three-year-old child prodigy pianist who, Oh, and you asked like, what call. have you done? What have you yeah, learned during yeah. COVID? F them kids. That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was way earlier. Damn. The uh, last opening question was to Chuck and it was about buying an island. Oh, the ice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So enough fun and games, hundred episodes in what, what's been the best part for you? about being a part of the show the fact that um i stay connected to multiple people that i've been friends with for so long and uh, once i got into the mix a little bit more uh, and then kind of just stayed maybe overstayed my welcome here at episode 100 uh, it's the fact that uh, it reminds me almost every week why i've been friends with you guys for so long we think alike. We have the same sense of humor. We have the same values. We're just real, really agreeable guys. Uh, we we rarely bicker on this show. So that, that's the best part of me. It's I, I get to see great friends once a week and, and have a few natty lights and maybe some bourbon. I think being able to hop on every once in a while when I can has been really nice. And then when I can't, I listen when I can. And hearing <laughs> your <laughs> hear you guys discuss stuff that I'm usually thinking about is is entertaining to me. And when I get to participate, I always enjoy it. Thank you. I'm not going to keep this short. Just so you know. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the best part, God, that is an awesome question. I, I feel like this is something we've been able to do that if we all lived in the same area, we would do anyway and just not hit record. We get to record things now that we would talk about anyway. And that, that goes from some bullshit sports takes to, you know, weird, funny, comical things to some pretty serious topics that we didn't see coming sometimes. And then, and you know, that's, that's born of the emotion that the music brings or the emotion that the topic may, may, may bring, um, that we, we couldn't predict. And the best part for me is that's exactly how we would talk if we were sitting around someone's living room. It, it doesn't change. It's a friendship that is at least, I mean, the bigger group since 1991, we've talked about that, right? Like the friendship is so long and we can talk about anything and we can go times and maybe this kind of lands on Miller a little bit more to his take. We can go times to where someone's not in the group for a period of time. And when they join the group, it's like nothing is missed. Nothing is missed. It's something I look forward to every week more than I could ever describe on this podcast it is it is the weeks that we bump the show to monday like we did tonight there's like a moment of like oh man fuck, my sunday just sucks now <laughs> i mean that's how much this means to me and that's a that's a 
commentary on how, how much fun and how much joy I get out of this because I get to hang out with my best friends once a week and we don't live in the same area. My favorite part about this and, and the reason why I wanted to do it in the first place is because I feel like my life's work has been trying to make you guys laugh since I was 15 <laughs> years old <laughs> and it, it hasn't proved to be lucrative at all, but I have a great time doing it. And so what I've enjoyed the most is I spent an entire week trying to write jokes that I think are going to bust you guys up and trusting that, man, if these dudes think it's funny, uh, a lot of people listening are going to think it's funny too. That's what I want. An opportunity to talk about things that we care about, like in sports, like lighthearted things, but to talk about them in a way that's kind of like funny and amusing uh, without being like a shitty, like internet troll about it. And I think that when we're at our best, that's what we're doing. And that's been a lot of fun. And I enjoy the fact that it has just become like a weekly hang and, you know, thank God for the internet, right. For yeah, making yeah. this possible. Um, or else we would just be writing letters back and forth to each other with all these topics. <laughs> That'd be super lame. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for our hundredth episode. Before we go, let's wish a happy birthday to a St. Ignatius legend and the son of a legend. Miles Miller turned 17 years old today. Miles Miller, happy birthday, buddy. Yeah. Wow. Happy birthday, Miles. Yeah, he's such a sweet boy. In fact, he told me to tell uh, Tammy and Whitney he says hi. Oh, boy. Hey, closer in I'm glad, age to my wife I'm than glad I am. I'm, Son of a bitch. I've skirted that, that whole thing. <laughs> Miles and I will be hitting the town together. <laughs> oh, boy. With that, boys, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we almost went the whole show without mentioning the vasectomy I have scheduled for this week. <laughs> With that news that this show will outlive my intact balls, I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. Miller, what did, what did your urologist say? To, like a mosquito bite? Mosquito bite. Hold on. I have more. I'm out of questions for now. We just did the whole show without mentioning the vasectomy I have scheduled for this week. With that news confirming, you better hurry. If you know someone you want me to impregnate, I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get together and do this real soon. This is like the end credits for grumpy old man. Yeah, right. like, Does Tammy know yet? Man-sized manicotti. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not done yet. Here we go. And we just did the whole show without mentioning the vasectomy I have scheduled this week. With that news that in a single calendar year, I had surgeries at both ends. I hope you guys have a great week. And let's do this again real soon. Uh, is it next crap one, or is it crap? With that news that Miller and I now have more in common than just Denko's ex-wife. I hope you guys have a great week. Jesus. Let's get together and do this again. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> Last one with that news that Iran isn't the only one getting their balls worked over this week. I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get to get into this again real soon. <laughs> oh, my face hurts. Yeah. Uh. All right. So now, Miller, we're going to do this thing called Raise Your Glass to play off of the sip of wine and gold. <laughs> 
It's about who you'd like to give a toast to, who you thought was maybe the best or the most important Cav of the week, okay? I'm asking if it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking for a verbal response of some it. kind. I'll allow it. <laughs> All right. Raise you invite, your glass. You do it? Okay. No, Jesus, Miller. No, I'm just trying to keep you up to date on what's happening. They lost tonight pretty handily to the rappers. To the rappers, dumb fuck. <laughs> wiggity, wiggity, wag. Rap snacks. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> We're going to give the ball to Travis Henry every down. I dare you to stop us. And that was kind of how that game was going. And the Bengals still came out on top. Who's Travis Henry? I meant uh, I Derek Henry. You just Who is Derek Travis Henry? <laughs> I, I, I expect that I, on social yeah, media. Thank yeah, you. yeah, please. <laughs> please post that. Who is Travis Henry? He's the place for the Indians, right? I don't, that's Travis Hafner. Oh, I was close. <laughs> Who's Travis Henry? Don't worry, I'll find Tua a Travis Henry. Henry. He's, he's Derek Henry's lesser-known brother. He plays linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings. It's the Frank Stallone of Derek Henry. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I meant Derek Henry. I'll say it slowly. Derek Henry. <laughs> really? <laughs> Curver. Uh, quick update. Travis Dion Henry is our age. He was a running back in the NFL for the uh, Buffalo Bills, Tennessee Titans, and Denver Broncos, um, but retired like in 2007. <laughs> I was retired in 2007. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's our age. He's our age. Anyway. Um... Speaking, of, speaking of bad beats, you think that there's any way ESPN features a Deshaun Watson play as a bad beat? <laughs> i hope so i hope so yeah i guess we'll have to wait and see come on svp someone yeah. someone text svp for that come on just do it bad beat one come on time. stanford steve you got this yeah, you got this it's in your wheelhouse <laughs> i think he just said alberto tamba he did but he, he leaned away from the mic so i don't think he picked him up do it again <laughs> oh. Oh. his mic is, that is better is Mike I don't know what you're doing? Is the, is the mic not working at all? It's working, you but make it's not out working that I'm great. Even saying Alberto Tamba, we could not. Now, but we guessed that. We guessed no, that because my my kids are all awake now, and I just woke them all up. <laughs> I screaming. hope it was working for no reason. Yeah. Um, they really are all in on Watson. Yeah. Like they just. It, it can't go wrong. <laughs> nope. <laughs> or, or this team is uh, yeah. fucked for, a, a, you know, another six years. Yep. Um, yep. Oh, <laughs> I think if, I mean, to be realistic, you Deshaun Watson gets six games, three of which are against teams the Browns should beat. The other three are against teams you wouldn't be surprised if the Browns lost to. But I think what you you evaluate the rest of the season on is what does Deshaun Watson look like out there from week to week? Like give him he hasn't played in two weeks, so or two years. So let, let's can he shake off the rust if he can't? And all of a sudden, by the end of the season, he's just awful. The Cleveland are the are the Cleveland Browns gonna make a ridiculous decision and and 
just fire Stefanski after six games with, with Watson? I don't think so. I think he probably gets a pass till next year, but, but you don't feel good about going into next year, right? Like all of a sudden, like shit, this guy's not the guy we thought he was. But it might take another offseason for him to be that guy. That's right? the thing is that we're yeah. not going to know fucking yeah. anything. At we're going to overreact. We're going to overreact yeah. no yeah, matter yeah. what. If he goes four and two, we're winning the Super Bowl next year. If he goes two and four, we're screwed for the next seven years because we paid him two hundred thirty million dollars. You know, Watson is has four NFL seasons. One of them in seventeen was only seven games. 269, 551, 413, 444 in 17 rushing touchdowns. That's something like we don't see. We don't see. That's, oh, that, yeah. that, that's yeah. what I'm interested to see. Like if a play breaks down, yeah. you can rattle off 20 or 25 yards. We haven't had yeah. a quarterback that can do that, man. Rusty or not, like I'm sure he still knows how to run. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, so and, and, yeah. I, I say he's rusty just in game situations. Sure. Absolutely. The dude, the dude has been in the building for, for more than a month now. And he's been practicing yeah. for two weeks, yeah. you know, so, but just game speed. So that's why I think Houston's a great way for him to start. He's going to get, yeah. they're going to throw batteries at him. They probably should. And, but he's going to go out there and probably rely heavily on our running attack just to kind of get his, his game speed legs under him again. But you're right. Like we, we haven't had a Deshaun Watson type quarterback in Cleveland ever, ever, ever. Yeah. <laughs> ever. you know, Sipe. You're probably going back to Brian Sipe to find that kind of guy, at, at least like somewhat right. comparable in an era where Deshaun Watson doesn't exist. Yeah. I would say that you should Roger be on more often, and then um. I wonder if maybe that's true because you don't seem to know how to work a microphone. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's probably for the best. I'm not. And you work for like a music school. Like it seems like you should know this almost as well as radio guy down there. Yeah. Um, Remember how long have you known me? My entire personality is smoke and mirrors. Everybody <laughs> no, thinks you're nice. Your personality—that's true. All right, yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right, I'm going to bed. You All right, fellas. The best. I love you All guys. Right. Love you guys. Talk to you. Love you guys. Love you guys. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? Here to amuse you?